guys a warm welcome to the one two pod and happy new year albert <laughs> happy new year it's uh it's good to be back it's good to be back we hope everyone is enjoying um 2021 so far it's good to be done with 2020 but um yeah man mike how are you how's the how's it how's the new year treating you so far it's been good i got to ring in the new year with some snowboarding so nice. i couldn't complain um <laughs> The drive back was was something else, but it gave me something really good for stripes of the week. So, how about you? How you doing, bro? I'm okay. Things are going pretty well to start. Um, you like snowboarding? I, I actually hate snowboarding. Do you ski? No, no. So, so the thing for me is like, uh, you know, you and I were both from the East Coast. We we grew up with so much snow, just like on the regular, that I hate snow, and so. All winter sports, like I hate them all. Like ice skating, hate it. Like when it snows and people want to do like snowball fights, I'm like, what's wrong with you? I I absolutely hate snow. So snowboarding, skiing, all that stuff, I'm really not into it at all. I don't think I'm going to be able to sell you on it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not going to even attempt it. Um, I enjoy snowboarding. Um, I did not fall. I did not hurt myself. So mm -hmm. I can't complain at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's good. I it, I know a lot of my friends they like it too, but I personally hate it. But um the new year is going well so far. Um you know, things are things were busy at work at the end of the year, but you know, things it's pretty quiet now. Um yeah, my wife and I were just trying to get healthier for the new year. Started this new like diet workout, reading like change of lifestyle type of thing. So we've been doing that the last couple of days, but uh yeah, overall pretty pretty good start to the year all right let's get into it let's talk about the stripes of the week what do you got for me heck yeah um so it's, I, I feel like it's been a while since we've recorded on the one two pod i know you did a couple with some other people you know replaced me but it's fine you know no feelings were hurt but um <laughs> uh what's it called uh, it's a couple of things that i saw over you know the whole like christmas new year's time um saw wonder woman 1984 on hbo max and, uh, you know, I, I won't mince words here. It's terrible. It's just uh, it's an absolute debacle of a movie. And um, it, I, it's too bad. Just, and the reason why I'm so harsh on this movie is because the first one was so good. And mm -hmm, it um, it, it's just so unfortunate that the sequel was such a nightmare. And, um, yeah, man, I just felt like there's so much talking. And they really, like, tried to, like, build the plot. But it was just not interesting or fun at all um i thought there just wasn't enough action for an action movie and it, it's ultimately hey this is a comic book movie and i just felt like the action was definitely lacking a lot um so yeah wonder woman 1980 do you want to like take turns or should i just keep going oh we could do that yeah I, one I, for we've one. we've never yeah. tried that let's do that yeah. all right so um going off of like the fact that i was on a road trip meant that there was a lot of time in the car 
Hmm. Uh, we did a 16-hour drive out to Colorado, so Jesus. you got to listen to something. And so we went through two entire seasons of Serial Podcast. Okay. Um, it's quite interesting as a podcast it's the premise is it's one story told over like let's say 10 to 12 episodes so you really get deep into the story um so the second season was about a a soldier from afghanistan a u.s soldier who had some issues and he walked off of his platoon he just left Mm -hmm. and he became a prisoner of war for over five years with the taliban and the obama administration got him out of captivity But there was a little bit or a lot about why did he leave his his post? Why did he go AWOL? What caused that? And then the third season was about like our criminal justice system and specifically Cleveland's criminal justice system and just how many issues that has, especially with regards to police brutality. So it was super interesting. Um, It's on all the podcast platforms. If you are like the news heavy type of podcast and you really want to hear a story like really get it gotten into like at that really 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 deep level go for mm. this podcast okay and what's the name of the podcast again cereal cereal okay mm-hmm. not like the breakfast food but yeah okay mm-hmm. got it that's a good one that's a good one I, I i will definitely have to check that one out um my second one is industry it's a, a mini series on hbo uh, I believe it was like seven episodes, might be eight. I don't even remember. Um, fantastic. I, I honestly think it was the best thing that I saw on, on TV all year long. Uh, I just felt like everybody involved was just amazing. All the characters did such an amazing job. And the show is really about like this, um, uh, what, what it's some hedge fund company. No, no, no. Some, some, it's business. I think they trade stocks or something. There's a gigantic corporation in the UK and the protagonist is a, uh, she's an African-American woman from the States and she goes to the UK and it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. And I just felt like they did such a brilliant job of portraying what uh, the corporate world can look like. And really not just like, it wasn't all about bagging on it and saying like it sucks, but they really did show how dark and twisted and nasty it can be. Um, and I don't think that it, the message that they were trying to relay or portray to the viewers were, were, was, you know, simply like this is what it's like in the UK. I think this is what it's like for a lot of big corporations. Um, so it, it was fantastic. It was really, really good. Um, all the actors I thought were fantastic. Uh, yeah, so if you guys are looking for something to watch right now in the new year, maybe things are a little bit slow for you. Industry on HBO is truly, truly one of the best things I've seen on TV in a long time. I really want to watch this. Um, yeah. I've definitely been on a big HBO kick, um, so I'm definitely going to try to watch this one. Um, I also have something from HBO that's coming up these next two weekends, and it's my version of The Last Dance. Hmm. Last summer, you know that Albert was huge into The Last Dance. He's a huge basketball fan. Uh, For me, I'm a huge golf fan. Uh, HBO is doing Tiger, a two-part documentary on him, and I'm so excited. I got to admit, like when Tiger had his scandals in the early 2010s, I had a tough time with it. That guy was an idol for me just in terms of just sports. Golf is one of the few sports that I'm very good at playing, and I really love playing, and I really looked up to Tiger. And 
you know, just sort of seeing what happened to him with the scandals, I had I lost a little bit of faith and trust in him. I was like, oh, I don't know if I, if I want to be a fan of this guy. But in the past couple of years, we've seen him work so hard to put his life together again. And he's come back, and I think just being able to get a full look at this life of his will be really cool, and I'm very excited to see it. The trailer yeah, man, looks I, really good. I feel like whether you're a golf fan or not, Tiger Woods kind of just, you know, he's beyond all that. You know, such a big name, such a famous figure in our country. I, the biggest thing that I remember with Tiger is that before everything that happened with he, he and his wife, all the scandals and whatever, um, I remember he was in a Gillette commercial with uh, Roger Federer back in the day. Oh, and, I, you, okay. you remember, I think you might remember that one. And I just remember that commercial played everywhere. And I remember thinking like, wow, Tiger Woods is kind of the perfect athlete. Like he dominates his sport. He's got this clean cut image, you know, he, he's beloved by everyone. And then that happened, all that stuff happened and came out. And so I, I agree with you. I feel like him really uh, redeeming and restoring his image uh, not that he'll ever be considered what he was before everything came out, but you know, I, I think the American people, the American public, love a comeback story, and so I think that's part of the appeal and the love that Tiger is still getting today, and that'll be exciting to watch. I'm, I'm excited for that too. Yeah, that should be good. That should be good. Uh, my last one, um, yeah, dude. I, I don't know. I, I've always been such a big TV guy, movie guy, whatever. My wife tried to get me to watch the movie Soul, which is a P Disney Pixar movie that came out. I I really struggle with cartoons, uh, which is why my wife talks about <laughs> on her Cabbage Corp pod all the time. I, I can't watch <laughs> cartoons with her. And the same thing happened with Soul. I watched for about ten minutes, and then. I had to look away and I couldn't watch anymore because I was bored out of my mind. But uh, according to my wife, she says it's fantastic. And I know a lot of people uh, love that movie as well. So this is not me giving some ringing endorsement about the movie. It's just I only watched 10 minutes of it. But uh, yeah, supposedly a really, really good movie. And for our listeners out there, maybe you guys can watch that for me and tell me how good it was because I couldn't do it. Yeah, Albert, I'll step up. I'll watch it for you this week and I'll tell you next week what I think. I did want to watch that one for sure. So yeah. I will I will take one for the team and I'll let you know next week. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's talk about the Premier League. Hmm, Festive fixtures were so busy. They were. So much happened. Yeah. The landscape yeah. is different, bro. It is. It is. And it, it is. I, I can't really. It's hard to understand what's happening this season. Um, feels like. Things are moving and changing up and down the table, like weekly and, and like dramatically. So, like I was just looking at the table before, and just to see where Chelsea is right now, it really is astonishing and kind of shocking. But um, yeah, I mean, let's get into it. Who, who do you want to talk about first? I kind of want to talk about Chelsea too. Okay. Um, let's just sort of get into it. They're in ninth place. They are. They have three more points than Arsenal right now. Right. Uh, that's not a success right right now for them. That is not a success. I Especially mean, considering like how much money they spent. Yeah. They should not be in ninth place right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's terrible. I mean, they they lost to us, which was uh, a nasty loss for them. And you know, I just to be ninth in the table right now. 
as you mentioned, considering all the money that they spent and forget about the money. Just if you look at the sheer talent, it, it, it kind of, I don't know. It, in some sense, it's shocking. And then in another sense, it's kind of like we kind of expected this because they added so many new players. And as you know, we mentioned in the preseason too, they added so many attacking and forward thinking players. And yet the only defender, well, they brought in two defenders in Chilwell and um, in, uh, in Silva, but Silva, right? Right? Who am I thinking? Yeah, they got him. Um, the thing with Silva, though, is he's so much older, you know, and, you know, you're really expecting a lot from a guy who's coming at the end of his career. And, yeah, for me, I think the biggest thing is they're still trying to figure out what their best lineup is. Um, even on uh, when did they last play? Uh, was it Sunday? Right? They, when mm-hmm. they played uh, Man so, City, so. right? Was yeah. it Sunday? It was Sunday. Yeah, like, you know, what they're doing with Callum Hudson-Odoi, I think, is interesting, too. Um, I just can't really figure that one out. Um, He's a guy that, you know, Munich has wanted for, I feel like, two seasons now, and strange. Um, Werner is, I don't know where his head is at. Um, They finally have Ziyech back, which is good for them, and I think eventually will change things. But I don't know, man. From what I've seen and what we're watching, it's... I think it really is just them needing more time. And if you're a Chelsea fan right now, obviously their current run of form is disappointing. But at any moment in time, things can dramatically turn around with them because of the sheer talent. But you talked about time, though. Do you think that, like, Roman Abramovich is going to give this manager time to figure this out? Do you think he's going to do it? He can just, he, he can pay this guy off easy. I mean, famously, that's not a hard thing for him to do. Famously, he hasn't, right? He doesn't have a record of giving guys time to figure things out, but um, he might, you know, Frank Lampard, club legend, may want to see him make it work here. And, you know, obviously they backed him with a ton of players in the offseason. So who knows? But I mean, their, their current run of form is pretty shocking and pretty bad. So he may not have a very long leash. Uh, to figure this out, but that's the thing. Truly, in in one week, things can completely flip. And um, yeah, but I mean, they did get a thorough beating from City on Sunday. I think the the one thing that like really works in Frank Lampard's favor is that it seems that no no team is going to be able to run away with this Premier League. Mm-hmm. I think this season with COVID and with all of the fixture congestion and all of the like logistical problems that COVID-19 pandemic creates, it's hard to pick up points. It's hard to be consistent. So I could kind of agree with you. I think this might be the time when Robin Avaramovich is like, this is just not a good time to fire this guy. Let me give him some time to figure it out. He's still only seven points behind the top of the table. So they're not in a terrible situation. It just hasn't looked good. Do you think he's responding well to it though? Because I think he is. I like his press conferences. I think he, he knows that this is not right. He knows he's got work to do, and he's talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that that's all fine. But, you know, I, I was watching this show, and they were talking about ultimately, you know, the bottom line is wins, right? You need wins. You need results. And um, if Frank is doing a good job at the press conference or whatever, that that's all good and well and whatever. But... 
you know, the New- I'm going to talk about my Jets a little bit, but the New York Jets, we used to have a f- head coach named Rex Ryan, and Rex Ryan used to be great in the press conference, used to be a real good rah-rah guy, players love playing for him, and yet, you know, he, he did well in initially taking us to two AFC championship games, but, you know, when the results didn't follow, he didn't have a job anymore. And so I think it's the same thing here. I think Roman Abramovich is the same way. I think, you know, I think he probably wants Frank to figure it out and wants to see him do well. I mean, he hired the guy and he's a club legend, but um, if things don't work out and the things keep going the way that they are, then you could definitely see him make a change too. But my only thing to that, Mike, is I don't know who they would bring him to replace him. Like I, I can't, I can't really, off the top of my head, can't think of anybody who they could just feasibly go and grab to replace him right now. So that might be another issue too. Poch is just off the market, just went to PSG. Uh, I don't know why you would want to hire Thomas Tuchel that just right. got let go by PSG. The only guy is Allegri. He's still out there, right? That's true. That's the only one. But he's expensive, and he's probably way more expensive than. Than Lampard is right now. Also, so. if you're if you're Allegri, would you want to come in to this Chelsea squad in the middle of the season? I don't think so. You know, with with a with a manager of that pedigree, he probably want he probably wants to take a job. You know, in the off season where he has plenty of time to implement his philosophy and also have the time to go and get his players. So, I, I can't see that happening either. And I think uh, we got to give a shout out to Suge. Um, she said this about uh, about Frank. She didn't think that he had enough preparation for this job. He had one full season with Derby County. He didn't get them promoted. Like he had a great season with them, but one full season as a manager and then comes into one of the biggest jobs in football. It's going to be a huge learning experience for him. So, you know, there's going to be some big bumps on the road. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's going through them right now. Um, what comes of all of this on the other side, who knows? But, yeah, I am, Chelsea's struggling right now, but once again, I, I, I'm i a huge believer in talent. Like, I understand, you know, chemistry and all that is huge. It's massive. But at the same time, sometimes, like, world-class talent can kind of trump all of that. So, uh, I hate to use the word Trump, but um, yeah, Chelsea, they have incredible, incredible talent, great players, and I, they could figure it out truly at any moment. So if I'm a Chelsea fan, it, things could be worse. I honestly think things could be worse. What kind of what, what players would you think are going to figure it out and could really help them, you know, get back to winning ways? Which players are you looking at? Havertz is so young, um, and that's my thing. He's 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 really really young, and he's playing in a new league, uh, playing with players that he's never played with or played against, other than Timo Werner, probably. Um, I am still a huge believer in Kai Havertz, a guy that I loved watching last year at Leverkusen. Um, I think he just needs more time, and I think he can figure it out. And once he's really going, uh, the guy is just so much to handle. And he just brings so much to to the pitch. And so for me, I think if Havertz can kind of get the rhythm going alongside Fer- so really it, it is the new guys, man. If the new guys can kind of get this get themselves better, you know, situated and more comfortable over time, I think they'll be fine. Because Werner, man, we, we saw 
what a monster he was for Leipzig. I mean, and, and even in, in little spurts and moments for Chelsea too. The guy is a world class world class player. So I, I think they're new guys. They just need a little bit more time, and they'll be great. Ziyech too. He's struggled with injury. Chilwell's played well for them this year, so you can't even complain about Chilwell. So. You know, I, I think Ziyech and Havertz and Werner, those three, if they can get a little bit more acclimated, continue to build that chemistry, that, you know, that ESP between attacking players, they'll be just fine. You know, this is a team that has the talent to score four or five goals a game. So I, I think that's what it is. I think they they just need a little bit more time because Mendy and goal, I think, has been really, really rock solid for them all year. So they'll be fine. They just the, 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 the new guys just need a little bit more time, I think. Yeah, and I could also see maybe like a formation change and just sort of maybe putting Havertz and Werner as like a front two together as like the two guys that have seen each other the most in the Bundesliga, sort of know each other's game a little bit from the Bundesliga. Just give them some time together and maybe they could figure something out and, and put Ziyech and Pulisic on their wings. That could help them out a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. And still, Hudson Odoi is out of that equation. So I don't know what they do with him because he's such a good player. I really think he's a fantastic player. So sucks for him. Wouldn't you take the money? Like, that's that's the thing that like I kind of think about. Why wouldn't you take the money? This guy apparently is going to fetch you, let's say, 60 to 100 million pounds. Everybody wants this guy. Why wouldn't you just take the money? What are they like? What is the plan? I wish I knew. I wish I knew because I know Bayern loves him and Bayern, have, they've tried so many times to get him already. And it, it feels like eventually that's where he's going to end up, right? Because they, they're so totally infatuated with this kid. So, yeah, I, I don't get it. And I wish him, like, I really do wish he ends up in a better situation where he can play more because he's so freaking talented. I think it's going to be another, it could be another KDB, you know? Mm-hmm. Once you leave Chelsea, once you get a situation that really allows you to shine, then all of that good stuff comes out. So we'll see what happens with him. Should we talk about? Should we talk a little bit about Manchester? Just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, glory, glory, Man United. Mm. Um, you want to talk about both I, I, Manchester clubs? Yeah, why? Why not? Yeah. Um, I. It's so weird. Like I, I don't get what. Man United is doing so well, but they're not playing Pogba as much, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Kind of putting a little bit more faith in Bruno, letting him run the show, giving a little bit more freedom to McTominay, Fred, whatever, right? Maybe it's just a matter of just like really putting out those guys and just letting them do their thing and it's coming good finally. But I don't know how they got to, now they're second place. It just happened yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest change that we've seen is that Bailly has come in and he's given them a little bit of uh, a little bit more stability in the back. Uh, it seems like he, you know, he, from what we're seeing now, kind of feels like he was the missing link. Um, as you mentioned, McTominay's had a couple of good matches for them. I'm still not a big McTominay fan. I just when I watch him, I'm like, why, why, why? Like, what's so special about McTominay? What, what am I missing here? Um, I just don't. I don't get that feeling at all whenever I watch him play. He feels like a very run-of-the-mill, very average uh, white defensive midfielder in England. Uh, I don't know. He's not really impressing me too much. I feel like, I, I don't know. He He's fine. He, he's fine. Um, Fred, I like Fred. I, I like Fred. I think, am I super impressed with Fred? No, not really. 
Um, Bruno is like the thing. You know what we have to say, Mike? Bruno is ads advertised. Like everything mm-hmm. that man you thought they were getting in Bruno, they've gotten. Yeah, and they've he's gotten been. It literally as advertised so if you're a man you guy and you get and you, you you're watching bruno right now it's like hey this is why we paid for him and he's been exactly what we needed him to be so that's a huge win for them but i think the biggest change is we're, we're seeing Bayi play well for them you know lindelof isn't starting anymore and i can it just it's it's good it's good you know pogba's still starting i think pogba is pogba not the pogba we knew but is pogba um i don't really know so Okay, Mike, let's talk about this then. Manu is always, it feels like Manu is always at, you know, on the cusp of spending money somewhere, right? And I, I know in our notes, you put up how they want to sell some players, they want to offload some guys. Uh, it seems like, to, from what we saw on Twitter today and news outlets, it seems like uh, Jaden Sancho is definitely not coming in the winter. Mm-hmm. Then what, what does, what can Man United do to kind of swing things? their way or to further solidify their way to finishing either at the top and winning the premier league or staying in that top three, top four range. Could you cash in on Pogba and then use that on a backup, like just another winger slash striker depth that could work. It's kind of crazy. That that's my one idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to do too much, but let's say you just give Pogba the move away from Man United that he wants. You take that money, and then, you know, let's say you go after Sancho, Erling Holland, um, whatever you might need that could give you more goals. Um, that could help. I mean. Maybe like a, another fullback. I, I, the thing is, like they, they, it's it's sneaky, but they seem like they have enough talent, though. I don't know if they're the one that needs to do the shopping right now. In my my mind, if I'm Man United and I have money to spend, uh, I go and buy Basuma yesterday. <laughs> yeah, like as much as McTominay and Fred are playing well for them right now, uh, I'd rather have Basuma over both. And if you can afford Bisuma and you can grab him from Brighton right now, I think you, you should do that. Because Bisuma, in my mind, is kind of McTominay and Fred combined. Um, yeah. Like, he's exactly what you want from both of them in terms of the good, but combined into one player. So, for me, if you can get that guy who can dribble, defend, who moves really well, has good athleticism, has good spatial awareness... Um, I, I really I, I love his balance. There's so much to like about Basuma as a midfielder. Um, he really is like a beautiful number six, if that makes sense. Um, he's a mm-hmm. number six that can defend really, really well. But the reason why I say he's a beautiful number six is because he can do all the beautiful finesse technical things. Can really pass well, can really dribble well, can work out of tight tight spaces. Basuma is, if you're Man United and you're looking to solidify your chances at winning the league, I think you have to go by Basuma. Because McTominay is all right and Fred is all right, but we have seen how inconsistent their form can be. So if you're Man United and you have the money, you go and buy Basuma right now. I think that's that really would solidify them in a way that I, I can't think of anybody else 
that they can grab right now that would really solidify their chances to stay in the top two like Basuma would. I may be overrating Basuma a little bit, but I don't know, man. To me, he seems like the best version of McTominay and Fred combined. It seems like he is a hot, like a hot market item right now. A lot of clubs are looking at him, you know, sniffing around Brighton. What's your price type of thing. So that's a good one. For me, I think their move might, I think their move still is just figure out what you want to do with Pogba. Mm -hmm. And maybe that could be like the power move from Ole that just brings him the entire locker room back and behind him. Mm. I think sometimes Pogba can be a little bit toxic, can be a little bit of a a burden and a stress for Ollie. If he can get rid of that and just sort of move on from that, I could see him really just, you know, building something at Man United like in his image. Mm. Yeah, so that's the one I, thing I would love to see them do. Mm. I agree with you, man. I, I think that's a good call too. But uh, overall, you know, they're they're playing well. Kudos to them great you know josh josh spice is excited and he's happy so that's that's fell fine and well and good but um yeah they're good man city on the other hand uh, weird team right i have to say weird team huge win over chelsea i mean three to one that's convincing win gundagan has been really freaking good for them this season um he's healthy he's playing pretty much every single week uh really really good them integrating foden uh has been great for them too uh, he's having a really, really good year and finally, you know, able to play almost every single week. So that's good for them. De Bruyne finally got his first uh, goal from open play, which is good for him. Um, yeah, Man City is, they're Man City. You know, they're always going to be dangerous. I have a question for you, though, Mike, about Man City, because we just talked about Basuma. And for me, I watch this guy play a lot for Man City. And I have a lot of questions because they paid so much money to Atletico, Atletico Madrid for uh, Rodrigo. I don't see the appeal yet. Um, as a defensive midfielder, I don't see it. I think his passing is okay, but I don't like how he holds on to the ball too long sometimes. I feel like for all the crap that people give Shaka for his passing, I look at Rodrigo, I'm like, he, he does kind of what Shaka does for us. Um, but they paid a lot more money for him, and he's taller. So I don't really understand the appeal with Rodrigo, so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that because, I mean, Ruben Diaz has been a, a dream for them. I, I feel like, you know, they, the money that they paid for him, and he's brought he's been really good, and Stones has been play, playing well for them too uh, to, the point, to, to the point where uh, Laporte can't even see the field right now because John Stones is playing so well. But um, yeah, my, my real question is, Rodrigo, I just don't get the appeal. And considering the price tag that they paid for him, it still doesn't make sense to me. And um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on that one? I guess the one response I have is, I guess it's just a deal that they did because they could. Hmm. Like they could afford to spend the money on him Jeez. and they're just like, oh, he's available. We can we could splash a lot of cash and see what happens. But yeah, I mean... They they already had Fernandinho. They already had Gundogan. Like, why did they need Rodri, Rodri, right? I guess it's just because they could. And I think that that's the thing that's, like, probably one of the most frustrating things about, like, what Man City has done to the Premier League is that they literally can buy anyone just, like, it's easy. Yeah. Like, you say, you know, this guy's going to go for 60. Like, yeah, that's fine. We can do that. Do we need him? No. Uh, could he make us better? Possibly. We'll do it. 
I, I, yeah, I, I think he's probably just, you know, another guy they got for depth and, you know, he might not be as good as he looked in Atletico. And that's also because Pep and Simeone, like, just don't play the same football. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the same thing at all. So he can look great at Atletico. He can work perfectly for the, t- the kind of football that Cholo Simeone wants to play, but he might not be a Pep Guardiola type of guy. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like, to be fair, he's still only 24, still a young guy, and he's not bad. You know, as you mentioned, it's, it's nice that you can have a player like Rodri on, on your squad. Um, and I've always had a soft spot for tall defensive midfielders. Um, you know how much I love those guys. I freaking always loved Andre Gomez too, but um, it just yeah, I, I haven't been like super impressed by him ever from watching him play. Um, but as you mentioned, it's it's nice to have the money where you can have depth like that. So yeah, whenever I watch him play, he just feels like a glorified taller Shaka. So haven't been super impressed by him, but yeah, overall, you know, City they just continue to figure out ways to win games and you know play decent and well and i don't know i I, no matter where they are right now so let's look at the table right now so city right now are in fifth it's like yeah they've won their last three matches and easily they could be in the in the top two next week it feels like you know just the way that they're that they're always they always have that volatility and that dynamism to them you know so I don't. I, if I'm a city fan, eh, you're not too worried. That's the thing I, I hate about these bigger clubs. Like even if, when they're not playing too well, you just feel like oh, they'll figure it out one way or another. And that's just kind of how it feels with City. Like one way or another, they'll end up in the top two, top three, and it'll be what it is. So, yeah, yeah, it's so true. I mean, they've got two games in hand. They yeah. win both of them. You know, it could be two points ahead of where. Liverpool war with the same amount of games played. So, you know, they're always going to be in the mix. Uh, Let's talk about some teams that have had to work really hard to get to where they are. Uh, Tottenham always has to work really hard to get to where they are. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I see about Tottenham is that every match looks very difficult for them Mm. because it seems like they have a very specific Jose Mourinho football and people across the league know exactly what they're going to get. But this thing is, like, I still think that they're going to finish top four because, like, Son and Kane are just literally, like, having one of the best seasons ever. Like, these guys in... They've played 16 matches. They've already smashed the Premier League record for goal combinations between two players. They've got 13. That was the record. And the team that, like, the players that did that, for, they won the Premier League when they did that. Um, so the question now is, how many goal combinations will Harry Kane and, and Sonoman get in one season? I could probably see it being, like, 25, 30. Like, it, it's just, like, their, th- that team, the thing is, like, that team is so reliant on those two guys. Mm-hmm. Those are the two guys that are scoring. Those are the two guys that are creating. And... As long as that keeps working, they're still going to be a, around the top. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Bale moving forward. You know, we kind of, he's kind of the forgotten guy right now, um, which is weird. Like, how, how's, how could you forget Gareth Bale? But um, yeah, I, I think he'll continue to grow into his role for Tottenham too, one way or another. I'm sure they didn't bring him just for like publicity, right? Um, the one thing that I wanted to say about Tottenham is, they, as you mentioned, they're a little predictable right now. 
Um, after Arsenal won the FA Cup and the Community Shield, the league kind of caught notice. Like, oh, okay, like we know how Arsenal going to play. They're going to play from out of from out of the back. You know, they want to try to you know attack on the counter. Um, and I feel like teams are seeing that with Tottenham. Not, I, I'm sure Tottenham fans listening are going to hate that comparison, but they're a little bit predictable right now. And if it's not Sonny and Kane they don't really know where they're going to find goals. So I think a lot of teams are just, you know, kind of honing in on Sonny and Kane and saying, hey, we'll just try our best to ice these guys out and see what Tottenham can do. And um, that's a little bit of what we're getting. They've won only two in their last five. Uh, They've definitely struggled a little bit. Um, But yeah, and on Sunday uh, or Saturday, Doherty, he uh, picked up a red card, so that's no fun for them. Um, Yeah, it's just they're so top-heavy. They really are top heavy. You know, if you can figure out a way to ice out Sonny and Kane, then it becomes really hard for them. Uh, and Dombley is a guy that has really, you know, cemented his spot in the lineup and a guy that you and I talked a lot about last season when he was still getting integrated into the club. A guy that I think is freaking, he's so good. He's so powerful. He's so shifty. His balance is unbelievable. And um, yeah, maybe he can find some goals for them. Maybe Bergvine can find some goals for them. But yeah, I think. Tottenham finishing in the top four wouldn't be a shocker. Um, will they really contend for the top and win the Premier League? I, I, I'm going to say no. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I still don't really fully believe in their defense. Um, so that's why I have some hesitation there. Uh, Hoybjerg obviously has been you know better for them this season and has helped a lot. But I don't know. I just I, I, Longevity-wise, will they finish top four? Maybe. Compete, p- compete for the top? Probably not is what I think. Um, I could be wrong, and this could be anti-Tottenham, you know, bias. But uh, that's the kind of the feel that I'm getting right now. They're a little predictable. If I if I have to like think about the team that really needs to maybe like add something, uh, this transfer window, I would say they're kind of up there. Hmm. They definitely need to figure out some some of their defensive issues. They've always been looking for a, you know another center back depth, and they've also been trying to get rid of Davinson Sanchez a bit. Um, so that's one thing that they can do. And yes, they they need to figure out like who is their attacker in the squad that is not Sudden Kane that can score goals. So it hasn't been Vinicius yet. Carlos Vinicius hasn't gotten much minutes in the Premier League to do much. Bale as well. They have to figure out what they want to do with that. Uh, Bergvine has struggled. Lucas has struggled a little bit. So do they bring another another new winger in? And maybe like, you know, they could get rid of Delhi and use that money to bring in a new winger. It's possible, but they, they, they could probably use something, but still they, they're having a good season and they're, you know, in the position, I think they probably want to be. So we'll see how they do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, they've never really figured out that backup striker, right? To Kane. Um, never really figured that one out. A name that we saw in the, in the off season was screen ER, right? For center back. You know, they would they wanted to bring him in. Uh Skriniar is another guy. Hey, he's, he's a little overrated. Um, he's good. Is he is he a product of the Inter Milan system? Maybe. You know, I, I've never been like super amazed by Skriniar whenever I watch them play. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're looking for answers. But hey, Mike, I do want to say this. Tottenham spent a lot of money in the offseason. And the fact that they're in January <laughs> and they're saying, you know, they might have to go shopping again. It's a little, you know, eh, it's not the best. What are they going to do about Delhi, right? I, that, that's that. That has to be like a million dollar question they need to answer. A guy who clearly has uh, an abundance of talent, but he can't figure out, you know, 
his way into the squad. So any thoughts on that, Mike? What do you think ends up happening with him? I think that they might want to cash in. I think mm-hmm. it's it seems like a good idea to do. It doesn't seem like that Mourinho sees what he brings to the squad and or sees him fitting into Mourinho football. Mm-hmm. Um, Deli Ali is not really that great of a defender. Um, he's just not that kind of effort type of guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they should cash in. His value is still pretty high. He's an English attacking midfielder that was very good at the World Cup. I'm sure play, I'm sure teams would want to buy him. I think they should they should give it a shot. Look at the market, see if anyone's paying, and give him a chance at just fresh pastures. I think also the whole thing, like the the back and forth with Mourinho in the media, all of that, that's probably weighing on him. Just you know, give him a chance for something new. Mm. That's what I would do. If I was Levy, I would just sell him, give him a new chance, and just wish him the best. Yeah, yeah. I, I just where, where though, right? That's that's where. I don't, I don't know who who would be interested in Delhi right now. Can use him right away. Uh, Southampton could use him. Um, Everton could use him. I'm sure he'd love to to link up with somebody like Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish at Aston Villa. I think there are teams that could use him for sure. But um, can any of those teams you mentioned afford him, though? See, that's the thing, though. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. <sighs> okay, okay. Everton hasn't gotten as much as they wanted to out of somebody like James Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. They do have some pockets right now. That that one I could see happening. I, I could see them affording him. I think that, you know, Daniel Levy might be willing to cut a bargain. He might be willing to let him go for a, a reasonable price and just say, you know, you've been here at the club for a bit and it's time for you to try something new. I'm not going to demand everything that I want to get for you. I'll let you go to discount. Hmm. Uh, so I can see it happening. I think like a loan like he goes out on loan and then comes back and tries to win back Jose again. Like I just don't see it see it working out for him. I don't think he's gonna win win this guy over. I think Jose's made his mind up. This guy's not for me. This guy's not one of my guys. And I think Jose's gonna be like, hey, let's just move him on. A scary thought is Deli Ali going to Southampton on loan. It's scary. Yeah, they, I mean that's the thing though. They are doing some great business on loan. Mm-hmm. Theo Walcott has been great for them on loan. Yeah, it's been. And you know how much I love Theo Walcott. Right, right. I love the guy. Um, and they just they just beat they just beat Liverpool, Southampton. So good for you guys. Congrats. Uh, Everton is interesting though. If you can grab Deli Ali to play in that Sigurdsson spot, that gets Oof, interesting. It's a good one. That gets interesting. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I, I think, but it doesn't seem like they're gonna let him go. I, all of this is hypothetical because it seems like, for whatever reason, Tottenham are gonna hold on to him. Um, maybe they're hoping that he'll keep competing for a spot. I, I, I don't know. Um, it would be nice for him to move. It. Like, honestly, hey, if there was no beef between Arsenal and Tottenham, I would love him at Arsenal, dude. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't come though. Of course, he I wouldn't. But he would never. But I think so. If I if I'm thinking about why they're keeping him is it's got to be Euro 2021. Mm. They're like, let's let him, let's let's see if he can get a spot on that plane 
for the for the England squad, and he has a really good tournament, and then we can sell him at a high. Because the thing is, like Daniel Levy, he is a businessman through and through. He's not. He might not want to do the discount deal and let this guy pursue pastures anew. Maybe he wants to get every last penny he can get for this guy, and so he's just waiting for the market to come back for Delhi. Right now, he's like the market's not good. This guy's not getting the minutes, but we know that Gareth Southgate likes this guy, and so I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to play the waiting game. Yeah, that that could be why. It's just unfortunate for him considering where he's at in his career, his age. Um, if you're Deli Ali or, you know, you're a, a part of his camp or whatever, you would wish for him to be getting a lot more play than he's getting right now. So it's a tough spot for him. And I, I think really unfortunate because, you know, he was, uh, uh, he used to be like the golden child of the, the, the English national team. And everyone thought he was going to be the next great English midfielder. And he had, he's, can't even make the starting 11 or the squad for Tottenham right now. So tough spot. It's unfortunate for him. It really is. All right. Should we go across North London? Let's talk a little bit of Arsenal. Let's do it. Should we take a break first or you want to just keep going? Let's take a quick break. Okay, we're back from the break, and we're ready to talk about Arsenal. And surprisingly, Arsenal is in a little bit better of a place than we were last time we recorded with Albert. Uh, it was a little bit doom and gloom last time. And Albert and I, we've been texting over the Christmas break. We actually had a period where we thought that the trigger might be pulled and Mikel Arteta would get the sack. That did not happen, and thank God that didn't happen because it, I think... Arsenal made the right choice in, in backing this guy. Finally, they, they made the right choice with the with the manager. They did it. Yeah, dude. I, I, I feel like a lot of what we saw on Twitter and in the news, I feel like a lot of that was just made up. Um, it, it does feel like the Arsenal board believe in Arteta. Um, I don't think that they've forgotten what he's done for the club already in the two trophies that we won in the summer. Um, so yeah, I, I just think a lot of it was just coming from fans being really upset with the run of form that we were in at the time. Uh, we really were struggling, but I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't want to get like too crazy either. We've won our last three. It doesn't mean we won the premier league or anything. We're still sitting in 11th place, but it's a much better place to be than, you know, where we were. Uh, so that's, that's good, right? That's good stuff. It, it's good that we're winning matches and, you obviously, Mike, have been a huge proponent of Arteta bringing in the young guys, and he pulled the trigger on that. He brought in ESR, and you know, Saka has been playing, but bringing ESR and Martinelli have really kind of changed the feel uh, of the club, you know, on on the on the pitch, and so that's been great to see. And you know, ESR has been awesome. Uh, he really has, <laughs> really has, yeah. Been. He's like he's filthy, and he's kind of showing us like man this is what it was like when we had ozil not to say that esr is on ozil's level but when you have a competent number 10 in there that can you know break the lines and you know be an outlet of uh imagination in the midfield uh it really does change things around and that that second team goal that we had with saka scoring was i haven't seen a score goal like that in, in a long long time that really felt like venger ball um, and it was beautiful to see, and ESR was a huge part of that. And um, 
Yeah, man. Well, once again, like I, I don't want to get too, I never want to get too high or too low because it's Arsenal, right? But right now, winning the, our last three matches is is big. It's important, and we won, you know, one of them against Chelsea, and so it's a good place to be. I mean, I went into that Chelsea match like I was like, we're gonna get destroyed. This is gonna be awful. Losing that match could be the reason why Mikel Arteta gets fired, but it didn't happen. They showed up big time. Um, and they've just kept showing up. I think what I like about playing the young guys is I think these young guys want so hard to impress. They are pressing so hard. They are giving so much effort, and I think it's rubbing off on somebody like Lacazette. It's rubbing off on somebody like Obamiing a little bit. It's rubbing off on Granite Jack. I think it's, it's just like that, that youthful energy is rubbing off and just reminding these guys like, hey, Keep trying hard. Don't give up on plays. You know, go after every single 50-50. Make these runs and, you know, just, like, have fun with the football again. So I think it was the right move. I think it took way too long, hmm. for sure, for Barteta. But I think what we know is he really, like, he really believes in guys. He wants to give them every single chance. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, like, a good thing about him, right? He doesn't, like... You know, he's not the type of guy to write someone off right away. So I think he gave William every single chance to impress. And finally, he was just like, you know, William, you know, now you're out partying and like, you know, maybe you've, you've gotten COVID, whatever. Like, I think he just sort of, he had enough and he, he, he broke with that. And then conveniently, Marnelli was, was fit at that time. So I think it's just timing for him. He's gotten lucky with the timing and he's, he's making the right moves right now. Is it going to stay forever? maybe not i mean he's not a very experienced guy he's you know these first couple of months he's really mismanaged the tactical like the player selection it's just been pretty poor so let's just sort of ride the wave of good results as they come and stay realistic because i mean yeah you're right three wins that's three wins in a row is great but that still means like you know we've gone from 15th to 11th Mm -hmm. i mean that's not much you know, Mike, something that I do want to say with, with Arteta, um, the, the thing that I think we're getting that we can see from him, it, it feels like he really does try to make his team selection, he, he tries to have it be based on a meritocracy. And I don't mean a meritocracy in terms of how they play in matches, but I think he really cares a lot about how um, they, they train and how they practice. And that's something that I can really get behind. Um, something that we've seen with my beloved New York Knicks here in New York. Uh, not that I live in New York anymore. I'm here in LA. But um, the Knicks, the talk of the NBA right now, are somehow four and three. Uh, we have an above 500 record. We've beat some really, really good teams. Uh, we beat the Bucks. We beat the Pacers. We, we've we've done some really interesting things. And I think the biggest reason why people love the Knicks right now, or at least Knicks fans love the Knicks so much right now is because of our new coach and Tom Thibodeau. And he's really shown us that it takes a meritocracy to play for the New York Knicks. We're changing the culture here. You have to earn your playing time. You have to earn your minutes. You have to earn your spot. And that's something that I really appreciate with Arteta. I feel like Arteta is the same way. I think he really expects a lot of his players in training. It's something he's talked about a lot. And as you mentioned, like it's been painful to watch William play so much, but at the same time, if he was earning it in practice and he just wasn't able to put it together on the on the pitch, as painful as that is, 
I'm also able to respect that Arteta saw that and eventually made the change. And it really feels like, my guy, I want to hear how you feel on this too. It feels like Saka has really cemented himself on the right wing. And then it really asks, it asks the question. He's a left-footed right winger who's doing a lot for us right now. What do we do about the 72 million pound Pepe, who's also a left-footed right winger? That is a huge question that we're going to have to answer, that the club is going to have to answer. And I don't really know what the answer to that question is. Yeah, it's so weird. I think everybody at Arsenal Football Club would love to see uh, Nicola Pepe succeed. But I think the the price tag is probably really, really burdening him. And who knows? It might not be the best fit for him. Um, He also wasn't a guy brought in by Mikel Arteta. So he's still got to convince this guy. But yeah, basically... Bukayo Saka has been incredible. It seems like he's found his position. He is... Like, that goal, that fluke goal against Chelsea, that felt like something that you wish Nicola Pepe could do. But he, like, when Nicola Pepe tries that, it just, it goes wide, it goes high, whatever. So, who knows? Yeah, maybe they do have to just you know, sell him and give him another chance somewhere else. Take the loss, you know? Mike, Just be like, we we gambled a bunch of money on this guy right. and it didn't work out. Right, right. Mike, my question to you is this. He, when he was playing for Lille and he was scoring goals like a madman, uh, he played in a two-top system. Um, and it felt like he was, you know, dropping a little bit kind of like, you know, in that two-top system, kind of playing like a number 10 at times, just kind of, you know, all over the place, interchanging. I don't remember who he was playing with in that top two, but it does beg the question, maybe that's the best fit for him. Maybe right wing is just not the good fit. You know, maybe he's just not supposed to be, you know, throwing in crosses and stuff, and maybe he has to be like a second striker. Um, Will that ever happen with Arsenal, though? I just, I don't know. Right, I can't see Arteta going. It doesn't with like seem a, like it. Like a four-four-two or a four-one-four-four-one-one. I I can't see it. Right, so it, it it's tough. It's tough because at the same time, Mike, there are moments when he just dazzles, right, and he can be really, really good. And to be fair, last year in the FA Cup run, he was really good for us. He played really, really well on our way to the final, and even in the final, I thought he was dangerous. And so, uh. It, it is a tough question because Saka looks really comfortable as a right winger. He started off the season playing a lot of left wing, right? You know, doing things there. But as a left-footed right winger, he's doing a lot. And the fact that he is comfortable on his right foot as well and seeing, you know, that goal that he scored against Chelsea, it's tough. This is a really, really tough situation. And to be fair, it is a good problem to have when you have a youngster like Saka playing at the level that he's playing. But then you also have to look at the investment that you made in Pepe and wonder, like, are we going to be able to make this fit? And I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest. I I have no no clue, but it is exciting to see Saka play this well. Martinelli, Martinelli has looked really, really good on the left wing, too, coming back from injury. And he's actually playing a lot of minutes coming back from injury, which is a little bit scary, but he, he looks fine. So... Yeah, man, I once again, don't want to get too high about Arsenal, don't want to get too crazy, but we've seen a lot of really encouraging things from the young guns. 
What we're, I think what we're going to see with Nicola Pepe is that he was good in the FA Cup. Let's hope that he continues to be good in the Europa League. Uh, Europa League would be a really good platform for him. Yeah. A lot of, you know, scouts watch these smaller European clubs and they look into like, hey, could I bring him to my big club and see how he can do at the Champions League? So it could be a really good opportunity for him. I think that could be, you know, Saka can't play every single game. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of matches this second half of the season. We've still got three competitions to play in. So let's just wish Nicola Pepe all the best in Europe and and see what he can do there. But, I mean, it is so true. We've we've got some players on the wings that are young guys that are, you know, we brought in from, you know, youth teams or from our academy, and they're doing great. So that's a really good sign. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a good it's a good place to be right now. And, and to to mention, you know, we're gonna get some guys back. You know, eventually Gabriel's gonna be back. And hey, we haven't even talked about that. Mari and Holding have looked fantastic together. Now, to be fair, they weren't really tested much against West Brom, but still, even against Chelsea, I thought they were really good. And Mari is exactly what we hoped for. We paid so little for the guy, but he's 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 great. He's great. He's the absolute, he might be the best bang for your buck value in, in the Premier League right now in terms of what we paid and what we're getting. Uh, and the thing that I love about Mario, and we talked about this last year, he's really good at passing the ball and, and he's just solid in the back. You know, he, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything spectacular, right? He's not going to go and score a bunch of goals or get an assist, but his distribution from the back is good. It's solid. It's, it's a little bit conservative, but it, it gets the job done. Uh, him and Holding have done a good job of solidifying things in the back. Not that, once again, obviously Gabriel was our player of the month for three months this season. So I don't want to say that Amari is an upgrade over Gabriel, but just the timing kind of worked out perfectly where Mari is playing really, really well and Holding is continuing his good form and it, things have looked good. So it's kind of like we lost Gabriel, but we haven't missed a beat at all. Uh, he's just been really good for us. So. I definitely want to give a lot of kudos to to Mari because he's just stepped in and been Mr. Reliable for us. And that's something that we haven't been able to say for a long time. Okay, so you gave a big shout out to Pablo Mari and how good he's been as a center back. We've got a really good center back pairing going. I'm going to give a little shout out to Kieran Tierney. Um, KT, you had a great match against West Brown. That was incredible. Great stuff. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about with the team. Um, Kiratini, though, like I think he is my favorite guy to watch. I love watching this guy's reactions. This guy is like, he is so freaking into this game. He loves football. He is so passionate. He plays so freaking hard. And he's actually an incredibly talented player. So good. If you didn't know that Kieran Tierney was a left back and you looked at his goal on on, on Saturday or Sunday, <clears throat> Saturday against West Brom, you would have thought that he was a striker. That was an absolutely beautiful goal on his right foot, too. Um, that was insane. It was really insane. And, and forget about that. Just defensively, he does so much for us. Uh, offensively, just constantly in the attack. His work rate going from defense to attack and just going back and forth, providing cover on the left side. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And as you mentioned, the passion, right? <clears throat> the passion that he shows on the pitch is amazing. You could definitely see him as a future Arsenal captain, no problem, um, with, with, with yeah. the demeanor that he has and just the skill level. 
we are so i mean like we had nacho monreal for years and i loved nacho i left back i really appreciated nacho a lot but tierney is a better player and you know to go from monreal and to go to tierney has been huge has been great and beautiful and he's still so young and we bought him so young so it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this guy grow and develop on our squad for years to come and um yeah it, it's it's been everything and more that we could have asked for he struggled with injury last season but he's been good this year no no injury issues and it's been really great to watch him play week in and week out all right one last sort of question we got to deal with um i want to ask you and um i just want to ask you point blank what do you think we should do about alexander lacazette what do we do with this guy Okay, so this is something that you and I have talked about before, and this is something that I really do believe. As much as I love Granit Xhaka, Granit Xhaka is good for us right now. All right? He's good for us right now. Um, but if we want to compete at the very top of the Premier League table, we need to improve upon the Granit Xhaka and the Dan- uh, Danny Ceballos. I feel exactly the same about Alexander Lacazette. I think right now Lacazette is playing well. He scored two goals on, on Saturday. You know, he, he's been playing pretty well recently, right? He's got his confidence back. The goals are coming. I don't think he's a top-of-the-table level striker, though. So for me, at this point where Lacazette is playing well, I would sell high on him as soon as possible and try to get another striker, whatever. You know, that, that's my thing with Lacazette. He's fine. He is a good player. He is not a great player. And I think if Arsenal want to eventually get back to competing for trophies or competing for the the Premier League trophy specifically, we need an upgrade on Lacazette. He's not good enough. He's not. And as much as I love Grind and Shaka, I, I feel the same about Shaka. Like, if we can go and get Basuma, and that means Shaka will play less, I'm okay with that. As much as I appreciate Grind and Shaka, and I think he does a lot of good things for the team, he still needs to be upgraded. Same thing with Donny Ceballos. So I feel that way about a lot of players on our club that I appreciate and I think are good players, not great, and not enough to compete for the very top. I think that I, I begrudgingly agree with you. I think that Alexander Lacazette is a very good player. Um, he's clearly well-liked in the locker room. He's not going to cause any problems. Um you know, he's got a great friendship with Aubameyang. But is he going to earn an extension at Arsenal past 2022? He probably won't. You know, I don't think that Mikel Arteta has been very enthusiastic about doing that deal. So I think we're going to wait to the summer and we're going to see that, you know, there probably will be some team somewhere that would like to give him that one last big fat deal to be your number one striker but it's not going to be at Arsenal. And it's it's going to be the same thing with someone like, you know, Granit Xhaka as well. There's going to be some team out there that's going to want to give this guy a big contract to, you know, be the anchor of the midfield. But is Granit Xhaka the midfielder of our future? No, Thomas Partey is. So, yeah, I can, I can agree with you on that. Yeah, and, and to be fair, once again, I, I do want to say Lacazette has been playing well. Uh, I don't think he's a bad player. It's just we need better players uh, to really compete for the top. And so I, I kind of feel that way about Bellerin too. I, I like Bellerin. I think he's, I think he deserves more credit than he, you know, I, I've given him some slack before. 
Um, I've even suggested at times that Maitland Niles should play over him. And sometimes it does feel like Maitland Niles can play over him. Uh, but, you know, he, he's still a good player. Bellerin's still a good player. Like on Saturday, I thought he played really, really well for us. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I could see Lacazette playing for like a mid table club. I could see him playing for a Newcastle. I can see him playing for a Crystal Palace, a Burnley, an Aston Villa, whatever. Just not, I, I think if Arsenal wants to compete for the very top, then probably no. Which kind of leads us to our next segment where. Mike, we're fully in the transfer window right now, and there are a lot of rumors going around. And while we're talking about Arsenal, any thoughts on the rumors swirling around Arsenal Football Club during the transfer window? I think we've gotten off to a great start. It's it's surprising, but honestly, it seems like we're doing the thing that we're supposed to be doing in January right now, right? We've sent William Saliba on a loan, which is a good idea. Um, we've given Sead Kolasinac a, ta- a chance to go on loan back to the Bundesliga. And, you know, if he's back playing there on loan and getting some minutes, clubs there will see that he's a decent player that they could buy off of us. Um, we're hearing that apparently Mesut Ozil is like deep in negotiations with D- DC United of all places. But who knows? Socrates is, is getting offers. El Neni is getting offers. Mustafi is getting offers like this sounds really good in terms of just like let's get rid of some contracts and let's see if we can you know thin the squad out a little bit of players that Mikel Arteta never wants to play and let's just see if we can find some midfielder to come in let's talk about the names I mean the names are plenty we're talking about Isco we're talking about Buendia we're talking about Julian Draxler um Julian Brandt. The, the, there, are, there are names out there that apparently we're talking to. So that's good. We should be. Hmm. I think of all the names that you mentioned, Buendia doesn't feel like a guy that we're going to sign um, for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just don't get that that gut feeling that Buendia is a guy that we'll bring in. Um, but I 100% could be wrong about that. Of the names you mentioned, I really like Julian Brandt. Um, I've watched him play a good amount for, for Dortmund uh, last season. Uh, and, and this season, not so much, but last season a lot, for sure. Um, he's a guy that I like a lot. I, I think he he has the ability to make the killer passes. Um, he can really make those key passes, those dangerous passes that we need. And he's also a threat to score goals, too. Um, Draxler is a guy who's now, what, 27, 28? Um, mm-hmm. He's been rumored to Arsenal since he was, like, 19, so unbelievable journey of arsenal rumors with draxler uh will it ever happen here's the thing mike draxler has been rumored to arsenal since arteta was a player for arsenal that's how long mm-hmm. these rumors yep. have gone on so that's pretty amazing at this point will that happen probably not i think someone just threw threw that out there for fun um but my, my question is this mike if we let el Nenny go who plays or who do we sign to cover him because el Nenny has played a lot for us this season does that mean that Arteta is just confident in Willick and, you know, being able to take that spot or what happens? Because he's oddly been kind of an important player for us this season, uh, just with his work rate. Uh, El Neni, I actually kind of appreciate El Neni for what he does because he just runs around the pitch a lot and he's really athletic and has really good endurance. So, you know, you're going to get a guy who can run around for 90 minutes, which is kind of important sometimes you kind of need guys like that to press the ball 90 minutes not a bad thing um but my question is if he goes to Besiktas or wherever uh who's gonna play in that spot 
because Partey will come back. So does then it then it be, just become shotgun Partey, oh, and then Ceballos and Willick? I, I I don't know. So that's kind of my first big question. I think that when I watch Mohamed Elneny, I think he runs around a lot, but. That might be like the strongest part of his game. Oh yeah, he's not like an elite passer. No, um, he has like a thunderous shot, but how often in a match does he get a chance to use it? Very little. I I, I still could see him being let go. I think you know he's he's put the effort in for Mikel Arteta, and Mikel Arteta definitely has used him and and found a tactical role for him. But I still think that probably if an offer comes in for him. Edu and Mikel will will you know take a look at it and be like, hey, you know, we're getting some money here. That'd be great. I could definitely see Joe Willock replicating the things that he does, and he's younger, and he's also probably a better passer. So I could see that too. Danny Sapios has looked de- like better. He's looking like he's playing a little bit better with the young guys too. I think for me, Alan, then he's expendable. I, I I think you could sell him. You could do it. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah. I, for me, I'm a huge Willick believer, and I've loved Willick for years now, so I guess I could see Willick playing there. Uh, I do think Willick needs more game time, so I actually wouldn't hate the idea of him going on loan either. But if we sell El Nenny and that means more minutes for Willick, then I'm, I'm down for that too. I, I, I freaking love Willick. It's just something about him that I love. I, I just love his movement. I love how it looks like He's all over the place, but the ball doesn't really leave him. It's a really interesting thing. Like his, his dribbling style, like nothing about it is fancy, but he doesn't lose the ball that easily. So I really like that about Willick. But yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I hear you, man. I do. Then Mike, for for you, before we move on from Arsenal, uh, I don't want to say like dream transfer window, but ideally if things work out, and this has to be kind of realistic. What would be the best January transfer window for you that you think might actually happen? I would say if we somehow pull off sales of Ozil, Socrates, and Elneny, in addition to what we've already done, and then we bring in, say, Julian Brandt, even if we just bring in Julian Brandt, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Because Julian Brandt's really versatile, right? He, he could play a lot of different positions. Like Yogi Lowe for the German national team, like mm-hmm. uses him in a lot of different ways. Um, side note on Yogi Lowe, I don't know how he still has a job, but that's for another day. Um, <laughs> like that guy must be great in board meetings at the at the DFB. Like that, that guy must be awesome. But um Anyway, yeah, I think that just let's just bring in Julian Brandt and we, we don't need to like let's not try to just like bring in a whole new midfield in this in this window. That could be a disaster. They could all struggle to bet in and we could be back where we started from. Let's just go with one guy and let's just trim the fat on those on the wage bill and get ready for a real, you know, go at it in summer 2020, 2021 window. That's what I would do. <sighs> Yeah, I I think I agree with you. Yeah, I actually think I agree with you just because th- 
the more I look at Buendia, like he, he's a nice player, but I don't know. I have some questions with him. He's not like super. That's exciting. the one I don't want to happen at all. Okay. Yeah. Don't want Emmy Bendia at all. He's not super exciting for me. And it feels like another move where we're just signing a stopgap type of guy. But Julian Brandt looks like a guy who could actually be a part of our future. Um, so mm-hmm. I agree with you on Brandt. Uh, the only question is, will we even be able to get any of these guys? Um, the Ozil situation is a real toss-up. Who knows? Socrates, it seems like Genoa really wants him, right, in Italy. It seems like they actually want him. And, and man, the fact that somebody's interested in him is amazing to me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> El Neni, I don't know, right? I mean, if Bishiktas are serious about him, then great. If you just average those three of the, those three guys for 10, 10 million each, that opens up $30 million. Or 30 million pounds or whatever, right? And that's that's more than enough money, I think, for Julian Brand. I think Dortmund would probably want like 25 to 30 for him. And I'm sure we're not broke. We probably have some money sitting around. And the, the fact that we get those three guys off our wage bill alone definitely opens up money for Brandt. So um, I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting. The only thing for me, Mike, is it's a guy that we've mentioned 10 times already on the pod. But for me, I kind of would want Basuma. Uh, which I know it sounds like a, a dream at this point, but if you can get Bissouma and partner him with with uh, Partey in the midfield, then you you're, you're not worried about your midfield anymore. Um, and then mm-hmm. you know if ESR doesn't you know pan out to be the next great number ten, then in in the summer you go out and buy your number ten. Julian Brandt might still be available in the summer, and then you go out and get Julian Brandt. But I I think if you have a spine in the midfield of Bissouma and Partey, that's scary the athleticism and the versatility of both of those guys is they're both of them are number eights and number sixes or both of them are beautiful number sixes as i as i said before and that that's scary that's a beautiful that's that's an amazing place to build the future of your club on to have parte paired with basuma uh, to go along with Gabriel as uh, center back, and if we extend holding, and you know, even if we look to improve upon the holding spot, the spine—I I still believe the spine of your team has to be rock, rock solid. And um, we we still have Aubameyang locked in, so that's kind of what I would do um, if I, you know, had the money and if I can make this work, I would go and get Basuma ASAP. But that's just me—I I might just be really high on Basuma. Should we start tweeting at David Ornstein? <laughs> um, you know, James McNicholas, should we sort of, sort of ask him, like, have they been talking to Basuma? I mean... Because we never know. Yeah, I, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. I, uh, but you you agree with me, Mike, right? Like, Basuma would be unbelievable for a midfield. Yeah. But the thing is, that would also probably mean the end of Granite Xhaka. Or, you know... You I don't think you could have both in. of those guys on the wage bill. Um, so, I, for me, I would say... Julian Brandt is, I don't think he plays that much for Dortmund anymore right now. Mm-hmm. So go for him right now. And then for summer 2021, I would say we decide what do we want to do with Danny Ceballos? Do we actually want to, do we want to buy him or not? I don't know what's going to happen with that. But then also we need nope. to figure out what exactly we're we going to do with Granite Xhaka because he also is coming to the end of his contract yeah. and... We probably don't want to give him another one, but we also need to find the right buyer for him, like that pays us a decent amount. Because I, like, I mean, we we paid about thirty to forty for him. 
he hasn't proven to be a 30 to 40 million player, but he has, has he proven to be a 20 million player? He, he could be. You know what, Mike? I'm going to make a counter argument. Ready? And okay. I know people are going to hate me for this. Let's do it. We could have done a lot worse with the money that we spend on Shaka because Shaka has been with us now for what, four or five seasons, right? And he's played, obviously, he's had his low moments, he's had his high moments, but if you consider the investment we made and what we've gotten back in return, it could have been a lot worse. I, I feel like it could have been Wait, way whoa, worse. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, okay. Uh, tell me a worse investment of 30 to 40 million pounds nicholas pepe for you, 72 million pounds that's a worse investment well let's talk about some other teams like what's another bad buy mm. is Rodri a bad buy no you can't say it's a bad buy he's good midfielder. he's a good midfielder they paid a lot for him though they paid more for him than they did shaka i mean i guess i could come around on that it hasn't been bad money. You have to consider the years too. How many years he's played for us? Um, he's played a, a lot of years, and he's been like pretty important for us too. Even though he's had his bad moments, you know, like he played for us in big games in the FA Cup final, not just this year, but in the past. So he's won some trophies, exactly. So once again, I'm not saying that he was like a steal or that he was like an amazing buy at 30 to 40 million pounds, but it could have been a lot worse to, to be fair to him is what I'll say. And so what I feel about Shaka is I'm hoping he just plays out his contract and then leaves. Um, I would like for him to like have a nice ending to his time as an Arsenal player because he's had so many ups and downs and really kind of gone to war with even our fan base at times. I would like for him to have a, a nice ending. Um, even if we don't sell him for money, because like, I, I don't know why. I, obviously, I'm super biased, and our li- listeners know how much I appreciate Granishaka. But considering all the turbulence that he's been through, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I would like for him to have a nice ending to his Arsenal career. I could see him having a nice ending to his Arsenal career. Mm-hmm. I think, let's say, like, you know, let's say we win one trophy this season, whatever it is. And, you know, he makes his move to a new club in, yeah. in the okay. summer for, you know, like a cut price deal. We're never going to get back like 30 to 40 million for this guy. We might be 10? lucky to get 10 or 20. Yeah. But still, I think if he can sign off in the right way and move on to a new club, that'll be great for him. And that'll be good for the club. And I think the thing that I know about Grand Xhaka is he will do what's best for the club, Right. So if Mikel Arteta is like, hey, you know, I don't know for 2021, 2022, like if I've got a space for you in my squad all the time, I'm getting some offers. Edu's hearing about clubs that want to buy you and we need this money. Granit Xhaka will be like, okay, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about him. Like he's, he's not going to make a fuss and he probably will be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go someplace new and I'm going to give you guys the transfer fee that you need to continue to build the squad. And you know, he'll be wishing us the best for sure. Yeah, yeah. I you you know me. I, I just have a soft, soft spot for Shaka. I'm one of the few Arsenal fans that owns a Shaka jersey, so that's just why I wish him wish him the best. Um, and hey, even this season, for all the crap he got for that red card, since he came back from the red card, it's been really good for us. 
and he's been really stable and he's been a huge part of our winning these matches you know obviously the young guys are going to get a lot of the credit but he he's been rock solid even against west brom you know rock solid for us against chelsea rock solid for us so i i, I know people give me a lot of hate for my shaka love and support but yeah I mean, that goal against chelsea that free kick mm-hmm. beauty bro absolute freaking beauty and the pass that he gave to Saka before that was beauty too so (sighs) oh I I gotta bring that out um I said this in the group chat like that ball was delicious Mm -hmm. you could make a a three-course meal out of that like the curve on that ball is just beautiful that was some good stuff there so you know he's he, he you're right He's had a really good Arsenal career. He's he's been solid for us. He's served the club. He's worn that badge on his sleeve. Like he really like is that kind of player. He plays for the badge, plays hard. When he makes mistakes, and he does make them, he tries to work hard to fix them, which is good. Yeah. He does care. Well, in our notes, Mike, you, you put in some stuff on Man U. Um, and so I feel like this is a good place to end. Maybe we could talk some other transfer rumors outside of Arsenal. I like so th- they're trying to offload some players, Manu. I could see Arsenal like maybe going for like a cut price deal for Jesse Lingard. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. I'm okay with Jesse Lingard. Like let's say like you know like let's say like our Julian Brandt or like our Julian Draxler, Emmy Buendia pursuits doesn't go well, but then we just give uh, give Ali a call and we're like, Jesse's available. Like, are you willing to sell and like? I don't think it would be an expensive deal. He's not he's not worth much at this point. Basically, this guy is just a fashion line and like, you know, that's about it at this point. We could make it work. My only thing with Lingard is he gave a, like he trash talked Arsenal so much when he was like actually decent for them and playing for them. And so I'm not high on Lingard. But also, Mike, realistically, is Lingard better than ML Smith Rowe? I don't think so. I You know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's the only name on the, that list of five players that I'm interested in at all. That's the thing. They're trying to get rid of Romero, Phil Jones, Jesse Lingard, Dan James, and... Um, Brandon Williams? Evan Williams, is that his name? Isn't it Brandon? Brandon Williams, yeah. yeah. They're like... I can't like so. This is like like I'm like why like who who's gonna want to buy these guys? They're they're not good. Well, hey Mike. To be fair, if Arsenal can sell Socrates, then man, you can sell all these guys. I, True. Yeah, that's one thing we have to I say. Like that. But the one thing though, Mike, of that list, I actually wouldn't mind Brandon Williams because we kind of need help at left back. Um, we don't have cover right now for Tierney. Like if Tierney were to get hurt tomorrow, who plays left back for us? We're Maybe playing Bukayo Probably Niles, you know? yeah. But that that's scary to me because Suarez right now for us, Cedric Suarez is more Cedric is more of just like a cup league right back, right? Like he's not actually like cover for us at right back. I feel like, and that's more Maitland Niles. So if those two guys get hurt, like Bellerin gets hurt and then Tierney gets hurt, like we're kind of screwed. So I wouldn't mind Brandon Williams. Like obviously he's not okay. like some amazing left back, but I think he'd offer enough cover. 
um, in case Tierney gets hurt. And we've seen that Tierney can get hurt. Um, so I think that's a name that I would be interested in. But overall, whether it's Romero or Jones or Lingard or James or whatever, and especially like a guy like Daniel James, it, it hasn't been long since they brought him in either. I'm sure there's still going to be some interest for him somewhere. They can find a way to sell these guys if they really want to. True. That's true. I think that honestly, with just like how much matches are upcoming for everyone, I think January is going to be especially busy because people are like really looking for that depth, that, you know, that rotational squad depth that can really help you in this type of season. So I I think it's going to get active. We're going to have some stuff to talk about in the coming weeks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Should be an exciting window and hopefully it's a fruitful window uh, for Arsenal and for all the clubs that are looking to improve and, uh, I just think it'd be hilarious if Tottenham had to go back into the market and buy players. But um, yeah, for Arsenal, though, I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm sure we'll do something. I don't know if we'll sign all those players. but I feel like we'll do something. I think we'll sign one. Um, I think the board is going to be like, we need to support Arteta one way or another. So I feel like they'll buy one. That's my gut. My gut's been wrong before. So uh, yeah, but other than that, man, it should be, a, it should be an exciting uh, month of January. I think, you know, the the New Year is off to a promising start for a lot of teams, and we've got exciting Premier League stuff to look forward to. FA Cup is is starting up for the Premier League teams this weekend. That's going to be great. But, yeah, I mean, we'll be back next week with – I feel like there's going to be more stories to talk about with the transfer window, maybe some deals to talk about to dissect. But for now, um, thank you so much, guys, for listening, and I feel like we'll see you next week. Peace. One Two Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Visit anchor.fm slash 12pod to find your podcast app of choice. For our listeners in Korea, we're on Patbang as well. If you like this podcast, tell your friends to listen. Subscribe to our feed to get notified of new episodes 